0: If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13. Father, in the name of Jesus, how grateful we are uh, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your love and grace. Thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives in us and how grateful we are for the Word of God. We ask now in the name of Jesus that you would open up our understanding and our comprehension, allow your Word to find root in our lives and change us from the inside out that we might become the people that you have called us to become, and we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 18, Then he said, Unto what is the kingdom of God like, and whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and it waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. And again he said, whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took that hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. I want to share a message with you this morning I've entitled The Little Things Matter. Um, Most of us uh, like to focus on the big things of life. We consistently find ourselves... Uh, looking forward to events that we have planned that are a big deal to us. And and, and most of us would probably admit to that, whether it's a vacation that we've got coming up or some type of big event that we're planning or whether it's just getting through the work week to make it to the weekend. We look forward to those things that we find more important. We look forward. and, And in lots of cases, we end up missing like parts of our lives because we're always looking forward to whatever next... Big thing that we have planned, whatever next big trip, whatever next big event that we 're going to do. Now we all know that Americans like big things, right? As Americans, we like big things. You go to other countries and people are driving around in cars about that big, and then you can always see an American drive by Everything is big, especially, I mean especially men, men love big trucks, they like big guns. They want to have a big garage where they can store all their big stuff that they don't use. We like big things. In America, we've got big fireworks displays. We've got big sporting events. And praise God, we've got big meals three or four or five times a day. And what we do is we see big as important. Important people have big offices. They live in big houses. They have big bank accounts. And not that there's anything wrong with being big. Or that big things or doing big things is a bad thing. But it ingrains in us that the little things don't matter quite as much. It ingrains in us that the important things have to be big. They have to be large. They have to be supersized. And if we are honest, the little things aren't always as important as the big things. Especially in relationships. Sometimes it's good to be able to let the little things go. Simply out of love and out of forgiveness. We do this on a consistent basis just to keep the relationship going. We let little things go. Some of you can't let little things go. And that's why your relationship's always on edge. And it's the big things that can be the most fun, right? It's those big events, it's those big trips that we have the most fun on. Or the biggest things can even be the most damaging, depending on what has happened. I've been in simple fender benders, and I have been in where the airbag came out. And so we know that there's a difference between a a little bump and oops, you ran a red light and almost killed me, right? We understand that sometimes big things are more important than little things, but that doesn't mean that little things don't matter because we all know a lot of big things started out as little things. There's very little stuff that starts out as a big event. It had to have started somewhere. The little things in life very well may be the key to success, and fulfillment in life. The little things that we go through, the little things that we add or subtract from our lives very well can be the key to success or failure in the life that we live. Now, Jesus tells basically two really short parables here in comparing what the kingdom of God is like. And he he uses a mustard seed, as Pastor Don talked about here this morning. He used a mustard seed as well as leaven, or what we would normally refer to as yeast. I tried to make some um, pumpkin spice donut holes on Friday, and uh, I had to turn off all the smoke alarms and uh, gave up. They, uh, they all just turned black. Um, it wasn't a real successful, real, uh, real successful event. I did taste one, and through the burntness, it actually had a nice taste. If You can get past the burntness. But, she, but Jesus tells this parable, and he talks about the mustard seed. And, and we know that during that time in the Middle East, the mustard seed would have been one of the smallest seeds that anyone would have to deal with uh, at that time. But when it was planted, it grew into a large bush-like herb or tree that was big enough for birds to nest in it. It wasn't necessarily a huge tree, but it was a very, very tiny uh, seed. You can't see it in the picture, but they're actually holding a mustard seed in their. In their finger up there. It's not necessarily the smallest seed in the world, but at that time would have been the smallest seed that they had dealt with. And then Jesus refers to the yeast or the leaven that the woman took and hid. The Bible says, King James Version says, in three measures of flour. That's about 47 pounds of flour. So I don't know what this woman was making, but she was about to cook. (laughs) She was getting prepared for about a month worth of something. All right. She had 47 pounds of flour. Um, but the yeast, the point that he makes is that the yeast could be a small amount, but it grows and it permeates everything, causing the flour to rise, causing the bread to rise or whatever that you're using the yeast in. It permeates everything just a small amount. And obviously the point of the parables is that little things can become or produce big things. Don't be deceived, Jesus is basically teaching in this context. Jesus is teaching in this context, don't be deceived by the seemingly small start of the work and ministry of Jesus Christ in proclaiming the kingdom of God. The power of the gospel we know would eventually permeate the whole world and the kingdom would significantly expand to every tribe, to every tongue, to every nation on this planet And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it all started with a simple itinerant preacher who walked around for three and a half years talking about the kingdom of God. Hated by the religious authorities and put to death by the Romans. And this man literally turned the world upside down. Do not be deceived by his small beginnings. The entire world was changed. Little things are not necessarily of something being insignificant or unimportant. Everything has to start somewhere. The Bible tells us to despise not the day of small beginnings. Do not despise despise those times where you have to start small and build from there. Despise not small beginnings. Why? Because when God is in it, it's not small. John Maxwell said, the key to your success or failure is found in your daily routine. The key to your success and failure is found in what you do or don't do on a daily basis. Again, we like to act like that what makes us successful is those big things. What makes us successful is because we've done big events. We went to college. We got a diploma. We got this job. We look at all these big events in our lives. But the thing is, is you only move forward by what you do on a daily basis, or you move backwards. Many times we forget that in order to make it to the next big moment in our lives, we have to make it through the normal, mundane events that got us there. To make it to the next big event, we got to go through the daily routine. All deep relationships, any deep relationship that you have, whether you're in love, whether you're married, whether it's a friendship, All deep relationships that you have and even your relationship with God, every deep relationship understands that little things matter, whether it's a smile or a compliment or a touch or a hug. These are little things that can literally change someone's disposition and literally change their entire day. And when these things are missing, it may seem insignificant at the time, but they pile up as we go along. Little things become big things. Even in relationships. How, how many of you have ever had something, just like, I don't really need this, but I'm just going to set this right here. And then you have another item, I don't really need this, but I'll, I'll set it right beside that one. And the next thing you know, you've got a pile of stuff you don't know, and you don't know how it got there, and you don't need it, and there it is. You ever had that happen in your life? Some of you has still got, are still hanging on to that one sock. That you can't find the match for. You still got it. You still got it in the drawer thinking it's going to show up sooner or later. I'm going to find that sock. (laughs) Little things matter to you, don't they? Little things matter in your life. This goes for almost every area of your life. When we do the small things, it can set us apart from everyone else. You know, when you look at how people act and when they decide that I'm going to do something little, I'm going to, be, I'm going to, be, uh, I'm going to take the little things seriously, it sets them apart from everyone else. I'm sure, like, uh, uh, Don interviews people quite often. and I'm sure when Don goes and uh, does an interview, it's little things lots of times, even if you look at a resume. If there's three misspelled words on the resume, you're probably like... Mm. If you're applying for an English teacher job and you use the wrong your or their, just go ahead and make a paper airplane out of it. Throw it out the window. It's the little things that matter, right? It's those little things that are important that can set you apart. But when we neglect the small things, they lead to bigger things. And bigger things become much harder to handle, and they may even have gone too far to fix. If we let little symptoms go and don't deal with them, it grows into something more damaging. There are a lot of people this way, especially men. Oh, I'm fine. I'll just walk it off. Right? I'll just walk it off. I got a piece of Holy sausage lodged in the lining of my heart. I'll be fine. I'll just walk it off. We ignore the symptoms, we ignore the side effects. We ignore it when it's little. I'm fine. I'll be okay. But the problem is if we don't deal with it when it's little, then it becomes big. And when it becomes big, it becomes harder to handle. The small sounds that our car makes when we try to turn up the radio to ignore it can turn into significant repairs later. Come on. Some of you have done it. What's that banging noise? I don't know. Turn the radio up. It's funny how when you turn the radio up, that banging noise just kind of slowly disappears You're driving into a parking lot and everybody's looking at you like, What the heck is wrong with your car? (laughs) What are you talking about? I'm jamming. When we pay attention to the little things, it may save us from bigger problems later. Ignoring little things doesn't keep them from becoming bigger things. And obviously this goes for our spiritual lives. The little things we do in our walk of faith is what allows our faith to truly grow. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 9 and 10 says this, whom shall, we, whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little." What's that passage of Scripture saying to us? Obviously, we know that faith comes by knowledge. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And it comes by hearing it precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It comes through process. There is no microwave faith. There is no shortcut to a strong faith. There's no shortcut to getting to... Some type of spiritual level that you're longing for. It is precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You have to understand the process of what God is taking you through. But it's those little precepts, those little line upon line moments. It's those little here and a little there that is shaping and molding you into the man or woman of God that he has called you to become. It comes from taking what we have learned and applying it to the simple, ordinary, everyday, average moments of life. We want, and many times in Christianity, we want those supernatural moments. We want to feel the chills run up and down our spine. We want to we want to hear God's call on our life. We want to go out and change the world, but we have to recognize it's the normal everyday, average moments of life that we have to take the precepts of the Word of God and apply it in how we walk and how we live and how we see the world because if we don't, we're not getting to the next point. Noah, the Bible says, found favor in the eyes of God because of faith. Now, Noah was called to do an amazing thing. Build a boat To save his family because the world was going to die in a flood. But the Bible tells us that Noah walked with God. That's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Noah walked with God. You know what that means to me? Before Noah was called to build an ark, he was first found to be walking with God in the ordinary times of life. Before God called him to do something amazing, he was found to be walking with him in the ordinary times of life. As Pastor Don had mentioned, Jesus tells us that it only takes a mustard seed-sized faith to move mountains. That means a little faith is a powerful force, even in everyday moments of life. That the, the mustard seed faith, it doesn't have to be big. It just has to be in one who is big. Your faith doesn't have to be big. It just has to be grounded in the one who is big. And when we ground our faith in a big, big God, then small things become big. Little things become important. Precept upon precept, line upon line. It's everyday moments of life. Look at this passage of scripture that I'm sure many of you have heard before. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust or dishonest in the least is unjust Or dishonest also in much. I want you to hear this. This is what the Bible says. Success in the kingdom of God. Success in the kingdom of God is not measured by big things. Success is measured by faithfulness in the small things. Success is not measured by big, enormous events. It's measured by faithfulness in the small things. Francis Frangipan said one time, God does not call great men and women of God. He just calls humble men and women of God whom he chooses to use greatly. We have to realize where the greatness comes from. We have to realize where the bigness comes from. Failure, according to the scripture, is compared to being unjust or dishonest in the little things. The Bible tells us that the faithful man abounds with blessings. If you live faithfully, the Bible says that blessings follow you. They abound in your life. They're not less than, they're more than. When you live faithfully. Faithful people are people that can be trusted. They are people who put integrity above everything else. They believe in keeping their word. They are consistent They can be counted on. We may not recognize how important the insignificant spiritual moments of life can be. But everyone in here needs to know that every act of obedience, every step of faith, every act of love and kindness continues to expand the beauty of the kingdom of God and the beauty of the message of the gospel. Every single light that shines pushes back the darkness. It doesn't matter whether it's a candle or a lighthouse. Light always wins, whether it's big or whether it's small. If there is any amount of darkness, as soon as light enters, darkness is defeated every time. And so it is light that shines from it, whether it's small or whether it's big. Whether it is enormous, whether it is shining around the world or shining in a corner. The light changes everything. Every prayer Every time we decide to open our Bible and read it, every time we decide to fellowship with other believers, it's a line upon line, precept upon precept moment. Your act of obedience, your decision to praise God, your decision to care about somebody sitting in the pew beside you, your decision to pray, your decision to read your Bible, your decision to get up and do an act of love and kindness matters. The little things matter matter. The fact is God uses the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 For you see your calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world, and things that are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. What's the point that Paul is making? He's talking about you guys. <laughs> not many of you were wise. Not many of you were noble. <laughs> what, he was saying, what he's saying is, is if you look around, It's not that God started with the kings. God didn't start with the kings and the rulers and the princes and the priests. He started with the outcasts and the outsiders and the nobodies. He started with the ones that the world looked at and said they're nothing. He started with the leper who had to walk around with a bell on his neck and scream unclean. Separated from his family. Could not be touched by anyone. But Jesus touched him. He starts with the broken, the messed up, and does something with their lives. And this is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of the gospel message. That no matter what hell you've been through or what hell you're in, there is hope for your life. There is love. There is grace. You are chosen by a king. You have been found worthy when you have not deserved to be considered worthy. Every time you say yes to the commandments of God, You have done something supernatural. It doesn't matter how big or how small it may seem. Every time we decide to follow Jesus, we are walking in the supernatural. The little things matter. The little things matter. And showing love and showing grace and showing kindness, it's those little moments of caring about somebody, of showing somebody preference over yourself esteeming someone better than yourself, honoring somebody, lifting somebody up in prayer. You've done something supernatural. You've done something beyond just the natural means of things. Know that the little things matter. Now, we also have to recognize that there's a dangerous side to this reality. I know you didn't want me to go there, but Just as God blesses the little things and uses them for his glory and for our joy. Know that. That which brings God the greatest glory is that which brings you the greatest joy. The enemy can use the little things to distract us and destroy us. Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. Paul says, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion comes not of him that called you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump again, we see the concept of leaven used here this time by Paul. Now, when you look at this passage of scripture, the context is false teaching. Paul is talking about some false teaching we We did a, a, a series on Galatians on, on Wednesday night a few years back. but uh, the context in Galatians is Paul attacking this um, false teaching of trying to to get the Christians to go back and live by the law. And so Paul's talking about this this false teaching that had permeated the church. And Paul's point is, is that just like leaven, just like yeast, it only takes a small false teaching to poison the whole batch. This false teaching was permeating their fellowship and literally causing them To cease obeying the truth. He even told them you were running well. You started out great. You were following passionately. Who did hinder you? What hindered you from following after Jesus? It was literally leading them to losing true freedom found in Christ by a life of faith. It was taking them away from the true freedom of a life of faith. It doesn't take much for the teaching to be off before it starts permeating everything in your life. How many of you are golfers? No, nobody? Oh, okay. How many of you are good golfers? Okay, I was going to say, all hands go down on are you a good golfer. We all know that it only takes just a slight move of, of, of the driver, the head of the driver, slightly moving to one side or the other to make the ball go in the wrong direction. It can even take off looking really good. And then all of a sudden, you just see it. I'm not very good at golf. I like to play. I like to laugh at myself. I like to get mad. I like all of those things that come with golf. I don't play very often, but I've never got it down. I've never learned how to hit with a driver. I can hit it pretty far. It's just not straight. And I understand that mine likes to curve that direction. So when I tee off, I stand facing that way to hit the ball that way. I kind of golf like Rod Carew used to bat. Remember how Rod, Rod Carew used to bat? Some of y'all don't know who Rod Carew is. But anyway, it only takes a little step. It only takes one movement, one false teaching, Paul was saying. But we have to understand the lies of the enemy, the desires of our flesh, the pull of the darkened world can come in little ways. Sin is always deceptive. It rarely comes at us straight on. Most of you have probably never had a battle with the devil where he showed up with horns and a pitchfork and a pointy tail. right? Most of us, if the devil showed up like that, we would be like, wait a minute, something's not right here. I would hope that you would have enough discernment that if the devil showed up like that, you could say no. But that's not how the devil comes, is it? Paul says the devil shows up like an angel of light. He shows up looking pretty. He paints the picture. He makes it look better than what it is. He plays and, with your feelings, with your emotions, with your appetites. It begins with temptations. And then it becomes justified moments that we don't seem like a big deal. It wasn't that big of a deal. At least I didn't do this. Or at least I didn't think this way. Or at least I didn't go this far. Or at least I didn't say that. But just as every act of obedience is important and puts us on a certain path, every small compromise is equally as important and leads us somewhere. These are the things that we don't want to admit. These are the things that we don't want to look at. We want to say that it's not a big deal. We want to say that this compromise is not going to hurt that much, but every compromise puts you somewhere. It puts you on a certain path. slightly off. It's right beside the path, but it's slightly off. Probably, and this, this is just, I didn't get this from the Bible, the Holy Ghost didn't reveal this to me, probably the greatest lie of sin is that the one we commit is not a big deal. The one I'm committing is no big deal. Yours, you're going to hell. But mine, no big deal. Right? So the biggest lie that sin tells us is that what you're doing, or what you're thinking, or what you're saying, or the attitude that you're keeping, or what you're not doing and should be doing, is no big deal. It's no big deal. And I think that the second biggest lie is that we think we have control of it. We think we have control of the sin. The enemy likes to trap us into the thought that the little compromises don't matter and that we can always stop at any time. This is how every addict starts. We want to talk about drug addicts or alcoholics, but sin is an addiction. Every sin is an addiction. Oh, well, Mark, I control myself. Then stop. I remember talking to, uh, what, when I was in Columbus, one of our youth, they were, talking to, they were talking to some guy and they were like, he was talking to him about smoking marijuana. And the kid looked at him and said, I can stop it anytime I want. And he said, Well, then do it. And that, that was the point, right? It's not what you say, do it. What does the enemy tell us? It's just one lie. It's just one flirtatious moment. It's just one party that got out of control. It's just one story of gossip that we decided to share. It was just one moment of jealousy. It was just one lustful look, one moment of anger, one compromise of our integrity, one moment of missing our devotional time. But the problem is, is, it's very rarely just one. Just like an addict that needs the next fix, the flesh is never satisfied with one moment of sin. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Remember, I've said this many times, and but I want you to hear this. Sin will always take you farther than you ever thought you would go. It will always keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. And it will always cost you more than you are able to pay. Do not be shocked at how blinded sin can make us. How it can change who we are and how we see things. How powerful its lure is and the damage that it can do. And how easy it can become to live a double life. The wages of sin, the Bible says is death. Death of our joy, death of our peace, death of relationships, death of future plans, and eventually eternal death. It starts with small incremental compromises of our faith that can lead to a box lidded heart. And then what sin likes to tell us, what sin likes to tell us is that it's better where we are. That this is what will really satisfy us, but we Always know that sin eventually will leave us empty. It will eventually bite bite like a poisonous snake. It will eventually destroy the things that are most important in our lives. And so we like to think about the bigger sins. Someone has committed adultery. Somebody murdered somebody. We think of these big sins and think, oh, how horrible they are. But we have to recognize that even Jesus said, Jesus, we talked about this Wednesday night. Jesus said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery already in your heart. Now what's Jesus saying? As I said Wednesday night, Jesus is talking in hyperbole. Obviously, lusting is not as big a deal as actually committing adultery. But what Jesus is saying is, is it started somewhere. And if you don't deal with where it starts, it will end up here. Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Now, obviously, hating someone is not as big a deal as killing somebody. But it starts somewhere. It started with something little. It started with something innocent. And went someplace else. The little things matter. I don't mean to try to be, to, to be heavy on you here this morning. But we have to recognize, as we've been talking about the challenge of our faith, if we don't deal and, and consider the little things in our walk with God and the little damaging things of sin and temptation, if we don't see the little things that they matter, then our faith will not survive. For some of us, our relationships won't survive. In every area of life, it takes big and little moments for us to get where we are going. And if we spend all of our time focusing on the big things, we miss the little things that can make a big difference. We are always, always in a crossroad in our walk of faith. You don't just come to crossroads every once in a while. You are always at a crossroad in your walk of faith. There are opportunities to see the little acts of obedience, the little acts of love the little acts of kindness, as important or no big deal. We always have that opportunity to see our obedience as important or no big deal. Our love as important or no big deal. And there are always opportunities for us to see the temptations of sin as no big deal or something serious we must deal with it. Remember, Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Know that every act of obedience matters and know that every act of compromise also matters. And so my challenge to you here this morning is let's make the little things push us forward in our faith, not backward. Let's take a look at the little things that we're doing, the little things that we should be adding to our lives, the little things that we should push ourselves. May may those little things be things that build our faith, not destroy our faith, not chip away at our faith, not chip away. At our hearts, we can change our world by starting with little things. And I don't mean change the whole planet. I know that maybe you'll never be called to be a missionary and preach to the the nation of India, but what you do right now changes your world, your circle of influence, the people that God has placed in your life. Our world can be changed by little acts of obedience, little acts of love, little acts of kindness, little acts of grace and forgiveness. And when we do this, God does big things. God does big things. Just a mustard seed size faith is God, all God needs to show up and do amazing things in your life. And so I'm asking you here this morning what little things in your life are you looking over? What little acts of obedience are you moving past? And what little sins, what little temptations? Do you have in your life right now that may very well be destroying you. Let's bow our heads here this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, how grateful we are for how big your grace is. Your grace is so big that you took sinners, outsiders, rebels, and you made them children. You made them children of God. God, be glorified in our lives. We want, we want you to be glorified in our lives. And we want you to be glorified in the little things of life. Forgive us, Lord, for looking over the little things that have brought us to a place that we don't even recognize. Forgive us for the little things that we've missed. And Lord, help us to see the little things that you've called us to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen every head bowed, if you don't mind, your eyes closed if you would focus on the Lord for just a moment. I want you to know how important you are to God, how important you are to this fellowship, how important you are to what God wants to do in this place. Some of you may feel like you're insignificant, you're unimportant because you're not on a platform or you're not the head of a ministry, but you don't know how important your presence, your prayers, your love, your encouragement your praise. You don't know how important you are to the atmosphere of this place and what God wants to do. And so for just a moment, I don't want you to listen to to Pastor Mark talking. Pastor is just a title. I'm where you are. We're all in this thing together. And all of us have been called to do little things to make a difference. And all of us maybe at this very moment have little things that are eating away at our faith. They're eating away at our love for God. They're eating away at our hearts. There are some of you, if you'd stop and look back at your life, you'd be shocked at how far you've come. How far you've allowed sin to take you. How far you've allowed a negative attitude to take you. How far you've allowed That lust to take you? How far you've allowed that pride, selfishness, jealousy, how far you've allowed it to take you? Because what sin can do is literally transform you into somebody you don't even recognize anymore. You become that which you had previously hated. Don't carry the label that the world puts on you. Don't carry the label that the enemy puts upon you. You are loved by God. And His grace is here to break the chains and set you free. I know this is not an easy altar call. But there's some of you that I am praying that God would wake you up. To wake you up. Wake up. See what path you're on. And ask yourself, is this really where I want to be? Some of you here today, you're struggling with faith because you don't feel significant. You feel like you're on the outside. You feel like you've been doing everything right, but everything just keeps going wrong. God wants to encourage you today, bring you strength and hope. We want to pray with you. So wherever you find yourself in the spiritual walk, whatever little things that we need to deal with here this morning, why don't you say yes to His grace. You're in this building today and you're not saved. You don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Him. Or you're away from God and you know it. Today can be your day where your life is radically forever changed by the grace of God. Don't leave this place the same way you came in. There is hope. There's healing here. If you need a touch from God today, if you need spiritual strength, I'm going to open this altar for whatever prayer you may need. If you want to come and pray, It's between you and God. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be more than willing to do so. But hear the alarms. Hear the alarms going off in your heart today. Are you right with God? Have you dealt with the little things? Do you need help today? Do you need strength today? Do you need healed today? Do you need saved today? This is your opportunity.